I'd like to once again welcome all of you in this room and those of you joining us in Elliott Hall and also online. My name is Jay, and let me begin by saying once again, thank you. Thank you for the outpouring of your love and prayers for the Dunnigan family and praying for their church. And thank you for praying for the staff family and loving on them. We feel it. We want you to know that. We, we feel the power of prayer. Uh, the reasons why we're able to uh, have this incredible strength and compassion right now as church is because the Lord is carrying us through the power of prayer. So we're so grateful for you. I'm going to encourage you to continue to do so. There are a couple of things that I want to share with you. In the New Testament, in, in 1 Peter, we hear God telling us that, that God uses trials and afflictions and sufferings to test our faith, to bring us the sense of deep maturity in God. So my, my exhortation and encouragement to you is this, that you don't let these days go by too fast. But you take some time for your own personal reflection on what God is doing in your own heart. Because God is at work right now. And God wants to pour into you. Jesus is the center of who we are. Let our eyes be above. Look at the things above. Allow God to minister to us during these days. And second, in the month of November, we are bringing in trusted voices. Guest pastors who know our congregation, who love our church, who love Brian deeply. And I believe that all of us need to hear words of comfort and healing during the season that we're in. And I'm so grateful for the people that who, are, who are saying, yes, we want to be here. We want to be here for Holland Park Presbyterian Church. So next Sunday, we have Pastor John Ortberg joining us. John has been a longtime mentor to Brian, and he will be in our pulpit. He's been here with us before. The Sunday following, on November 19th, we have Rich Conwisher. He's a senior pastor uh, at Peachtree Church in Atlanta. And that's where Brian was a teaching pastor for many years before coming to here. And he will be with us. Then on Thanksgiving Sunday, on November 26th, we have Scott Dudley joining us again. Scott spoke at Brian's memorial. And he was a college pastor who shaped the formation of College Brian, right? College Brian to be who he is, and we can't wait to see Scott come back to us on November 26th. And today we have Dana Allen with us. Dana is the executive leader of our denomination, the tribe of network of churches called ECO. And one thing I so much appreciate about Brian, uh, about Dana is this, that this past few days he has mobilized hundreds of churches, multiple pastors to pray for us, to pray for this congregation. And I'm so grateful for his leadership and his kindness and goodness to us. So will you join me in welcoming Dana Allen? Well, good morning. I guest preach at a lot of places in my role as the executive of your denomination, ECO. And Usually what I say at the beginning is something like, it's an honor to be here and a privilege to be here. Um, this morning, it is certainly a humble honor to step into this pulpit in the midst of the sensitivity and rawness of Highland Park Presbyterian Church in this moment in the season. Uh, but it is certainly not a pleasure to have to be here on this Sunday under these kinds of circumstances. 
Because like you, I lost a friend. Someone who was becoming even more and more dear to me. In fact, our denominational offices are moving from uh, Santa Barbara, California. Uh, They have moved to Dallas now. Um, Some staff have made the transition here. Others, like myself, will make the transition here. It's a good thing for us to be centrally located in the country, and there are a lot of places where that could have been true. But what drew us to Dallas, one of the main reasons, is this church is to the joy of being a part of Highland Park Presbyterian Church. And I asked Brian, Brian, is it okay uh, if the denomination kind of moves in next door? Is that going to be weird or awkward? And Brian said, Dana, we would love to have you. I'd love to have you and your wife Beth participate in Highland Park in any way that you can and feel called. And I looked over my texts in the last, from Brian in the last several months And he probably sent me a dozen different houses to look at. (laughs) And he would say things like, hey, this one's just right down the street for us. It doesn't have a garage, but it it has a gate, and I think you'll be okay. And I said, Brian, if this pastoring thing doesn't work out, a real estate agent is something (laughs) maybe in your future. And I also sat with him in his office and said, Brian, if we move here, you can't leave us. You can't go to another church. I want you as my pastor. So, Brian, you got to promise me that you're not going to leave us. And he, of course, smiled, and he knew I wasn't actually asking him to promise that. But he said, Dana, I love this church. I love this staff. I am thankful for what God is doing in and through this church, and I am humbled to be a part of it. I said, okay, so you're not going to (laughs) leave. Who would have thought that the church he would have left us for is the church triumphant? Worshiping God in heaven face to face with Jesus. And what a wonderful celebration of his life that we were able to have on Wednesday. But the questions that we are likely asking is, what about us? I lost a friend. I lost my pastor. What about us as a church? This church was in, is in such a good and wonderful place. I echo with what Brian said, that this church is strong and vibrant and healthy. And I spoke to the elders on, Sunday, on Monday night, and I said, this church is so healthy and strong, not just because of its size, but more importantly, because the vitality of the spirit that is here. And so this likely question, what about us? What's next? When I heard the news on Thursday morning, I prayed, and the scripture that came to my mind for you all and for me was Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so let me read that passage in its totality starting in verse 4 as our passage today. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. When I think about this letter to the Philippians, it reminds me of Brian. Because the Philippians were the closest church to Paul. Paul wrote to a lot of churches. Many of the letters in the New Testament were written by Paul to churches. But the Philippian church was his closest church. It was his dearest church. It was the church with which he was most intimate and personal as he interacted together. Paul planted actually the church in Philippi because of a dream that he had in Acts chapter 16 verse 9, where a man from Macedonia appeared to him in a dream and said, come to Macedonia and help us. And so Paul left his place of comfort and convenience, came to Macedonia where Philippi is located and planted this church that he loved so deeply. And I think of that in Brian's heart. That as Paul wanted to extend the gospel into the world, so Brian wanted the gospel to be so rich and so present in and through this church into the world. But when Paul is writing Philippians, things weren't going well. Paul was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. And the Philippians were in a tender moment. The Philippians had people who were coming in in Paul's absence and preaching for selfish gain and ambition. The Philippians had challenges between the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians where the Jewish Christians were telling the non-Jewish Christians, you have to become Jewish first before you can become Christian and all that's associated with that. And there was a lot of tension that was building and the church was saying, what do we do we need our leader. We need Paul. What, it is, what do we do? And he couldn't be there. And they're probably asking that question, why? I love how Allie brought in that sermon for Brian's memorial service from uh, back in 2016 of asking these why questions. Why, Lord? I was talking with one of our pastors on Thursday morning after Brian's passing, and we were both asking this question, why God? I ask it through my denominational lens. Lord, with someone who is so gifted and so talented and so faithful to the gospel, who had so much more to offer Highland Park Press, this city and the denomination and the world, why God? I ask it through the lens of a friend. Why God? He was going to be my pastor and I was so looking forward to it. I look at it through the lens of a father and a parent. Why God? This last year, uh, a year ago, I was diagnosed with leukemia. And there are multiple types of leukemia, which I did not know. Unfortunately, the type that I have is very easily treatable with about 100% efficacy, so praise be to God for that. But there was a couple of weeks where I didn't know what type of leukemia it was until biopsies came back and so forth. And I was okay with me personally going home to be with Jesus, but my biggest concern is, what about my wife and my kids? 
How is their relationship with God going to be if I leave them and Jesus takes me home? And I'm sure that many of our thoughts and prayers are, are with, as, as we have said so often in this week, with Allie as she parents and Wheeler and Annie and CJ as they will wrestle with these questions of why. And you know, it's okay to ask why. Numbers 11.11, Moses says, God, why have you brought me this trouble? What have I done to you? Job says, God, why have I become a target? Psalm 10, David says, Lord, why are you far off from me in this time of trouble? And even Jesus on the cross quotes Psalm 22 and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we have some generic answers to those questions. We realize that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that has been wounded because of sin. That God created this world where we would be in a perfect relationship with him, with one another, and with our creation. And as sin entered the world, all of those things got broken and tarnished. And yet God, out of his glory and goodness, has been on mission all throughout Scripture and all in our lives to make true what Ramey read in Revelation 22, that there will be that day where we will be in heaven with no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. And so those are the generic answers, and they're true, about why do these things happen in a world like this, but it still doesn't quite satisfy. That's why I love Philippians 4-7. Because Paul says, there is a peace that is available, that is beyond all understanding. We don't have to fully understand all the things that go on in this world in order to have a peace that comes from God. God doesn't promise that he's going to give us all the answers here in this earthly life, and I don't even know if we will know, but I know we will not care in eternity. God never promises us all the answers. What God promises us is a peace that surpasses all understanding. As Brian said years ago, he promises not the answers to why, he promises to be with. He promises to be with. And what Paul says is that here is what this peace can do. This peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Praise be to God. That this peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, we don't know what exactly was going on. We don't, we don't have the communication from the Philippian church to Paul, but again, we know they were concerned about the divisions that were taking place in their church. They were concerned about these false teachers who were coming into their presence. They were concerned about all of these things, and they were wondering why God couldn't be there. And so Paul is telling them, even in the midst of his own imprisonment, he wants to be there with the congregation. And he says, yet, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding 
that will guard, that will protect your hearts and minds. See, because when we are in these times, our minds and hearts can spin out of control, can't they? When we have anxiety, when we have uncertainty, when things are not all buttoned up nice and neat for us, our minds and hearts can, can spin out of control. Again, when I was diagnosed with that leukemia, my mind began to spin out of control as I began to look for all the answers on the internet. Not a good idea, by the way. <laughs> and as my mind spun out of control, so my heart did as well. Why, what, all of those kinds of things. And not that it's not okay to be sad and angry and confused. Perfectly appropriate. But we bring those to God. We bring those to God. And he says, in the midst of your bringing, in your prayer and supplication, I will guard, I will protect your heart and mind from spinning out of control. Praise be to God. And that God will do that for us individually, and God will do that for us as a church. There is a collective heart and mind of this church that God is going to protect through his peace. That God is going to protect through his peace. When I was teaching a doctorate of ministry course with Jim Singleton is where I first heard this phrase uh, that ambiguity leads to anxiety. And so any time that we are in this place of ambiguity where we aren't sure exactly about the future, there is a natural anxiety that will well up within us. And we know that when we have that anxiety, we will go into fight or flight mentality. And so when the anxiety comes, sometimes we can go into flight mentality. That we got to figure it all out, that we got to button it down, that we got to make plans, we got to put everything in order, and that's a way that we deal with our own anxiety and for others sometimes we flight we freeze and we sit longer in that grief and what I want to encourage you is that a lot of times when congregations are in this type of situation the potential of of fraction can occur between those who want to move full steam ahead and those who want to sit back and be in their grief a little longer both of those responses are perfectly okay. We all grieve differently and on our own timelines. And so what we need is for you to have grace with one each other, to love and care for one another as we will all process this differently both personally and for us as a congregation. So how do we get that peace? How do, we, how do we take hold of that peace where we don't have to figure it all out? How do we take a hold of that peace that will guard our hearts and minds? Well, Paul in verse 7 says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. And could just as easily be translated as and then. Meaning that what has come before will lead to a peace that surpasses all understanding. And so what's come before? What's come before is that Paul said in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and he says it twice, rejoice. Normally when I go through a passage, I'll start from top to bottom, but starting with rejoice in the Lord seems a little tone deaf for this particular situation. But when we understand 
that when we rejoice in the Lord, when we take our joy and delight in the Lord, one of the byproducts of that is the peace that's beyond all understanding. To take our joy in the Lord. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is a mood that can go up or down depending upon circumstances, certainly appropriate. Joy is a deeper sense of delight in who we are in God. That in Christ alone, my sins have been nailed to that cross and I stand and I live in victory. I rejoice that I'm an adopted child of God. And I realize that all of us here are on different phases of our journeys. And you may be just checking out and considering Jesus. And you've been finding Highland Park Press a good place to do that. It would be understandable that Brian's passing would put a little bit of a roadblock potentially in your journey. If that is the case, I want to encourage you to talk to the pastors, to the staff, anybody that will have prayer lanyards on, to ask them how do we rejoice in the Lord even in the midst of inexplicable tragedy. And they will be happy to tell and share and talk with you about that. And the final way we get that peace, Paul says, is do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and then the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. The way we get that peace is through prayer. The way we get that peace is through prayer. Whenever any of my congregations are going through difficulties, I always remind them, it's okay, God is in control, and that's absolutely true. But here is when I knew that for Highland Park, things were going to be really okay. It was when your immediate response to Brian's passing was a call to prayer. It was a call to prayer on Thursday, and then I was fortunate enough to get here by Friday morning to experience a wonderful prayer service where someone didn't just pray from the front, but we gathered together, and we prayed for one another, and we prayed for the church, and I saw the beautiful foundation that has been laid here that will get through this season. I remember your vision video from several years ago, a vision of what the elders and staff had prayed and had thought about what God was going to do in and through HPPC in the future. Some wonderful things like planting churches, which you're doing an amazingly wonderful job, and bringing people to Christ, and this great vision. And what I love is the last piece of that vision. And I can hear Brian's voice saying, and this only comes through prayer. And we are going to commit ourselves to a million hours of prayer. And I thought, that's a vision. That's what God's doing. And I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of prayer hours have already been had, but that has laid a foundation. That has laid a, a spiritual foundation of health for this congregation to weather this extremely difficult and tragic season. And your and our continued prayers are what is, what going, is what is going to allow this church 
to fulfill the vision that God has placed in you and through you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the power of your spirit. We thank you as we have many times for the gift that you have given to us in Brian as a friend, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband. Lord, we pray, I pray for this congregation. For this congregation that I love so deeply, that Brian loves so deeply, but even more importantly, Lord, that you love so deeply. I pray that their reactions, that their gut reflex in any and every situation is to drop to their knees and pray. Is to pray for you to fill in the gaps. Is to pray for you to protect the individual and collective minds and hearts of this congregation as we seek to fulfill your role and your vision in the world. Lord, I pray for protection. I pray that the unity of this church going forward would would be a wonderful testament to your grace and goodness to Highland Park, the Park Cities, Dallas, and to the rest of the world. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being with us, even in the midst of our inexplicable whys. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.